Hey, today we're going to look at a financier's change of life. Everything radically changed for him once he met Jesus Christ. Hey, welcome back to the Barry Farrow Show. Today we're going to look at the Christmas story why Jesus was born for you and how a financier understood that and got truly set free. So let's take a look. First of all, I want to mention a a verse in 1 Timothy. It's a book in the latter part of the New Testament, and it was written by a guy by the name of Paul, and it's in the first chapter and in the 15th verse of 1 Timothy, this book in the Bible. It's a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. So that's the Christmas story. Jesus was born for you. And we're going to look at that through the lens of this financier. Truly, the grace of God that gives you this equipment to have this salvation. But Jesus wants more for you than just eternal life, which is fantastic. He wants you to have abundant life, even here on earth. John 10, 10 tells us that Jesus came that you would have life more abundantly, not just in heaven, but here on earth. And how does that work? Well, you become a better person when you get redeemed. You can actually have joy in spite of the circumstances. How's that possible? That's connected to your relationship with Christ the son of the living God. So let's look at this guy, Zacchaeus, who was this financier, very wealthy guy, a short guy in the New Testament, and how he met Jesus, kind of in the middle of his ministry. Jesus in Luke 18 heals a blind guy. It's not the normal thing to happen, especially if everybody around him knows he was blind, and especially if he's been blind for a really long time. And so he can see now, and Jesus set him free physically. And so obviously, a lot of people are running around with Jesus, wondering where where is he going to go next? What's he going to say next? What's what's next? So let's pick it up in Luke 19. And in the story, we find that there's something about Zacchaeus that's similar to the blind man. The blind guy was kind of outside the Jewish uh, system, but so was Zacchaeus. The thing that's different is Zacchaeus is outside of the Jewish system voluntarily. He chose to be. He chose to be a tax collector for the Roman Empire. That's considered a a traitorous thing by many in the Jewish community at the time. And of course, it's understandable because you have all this power to collect taxes and really no due process on the part of the citizen to rebuff the tax collection amount. So, Zacchaeus is going to hear Jesus' message, see Jesus, and uh, respond to him a certain way. But there's something special about Zacchaeus, this financier who really has earned his money in a way that people would consider in today's world unethical, going above and beyond what the financial services industry would allow or permit and pushing the boundaries of that and doing that in a manner that would cause people to be harmed. So he really needed a spanking, but he's rich and there's nothing you can do about it if you're a normal citizen there. But this guy knew he was lost. He was rich. He had all the money he needed, but he knew he didn't have something. And he was willing to admit that and respond quickly when the invitation was made. So here we are in Luke 19, verse one, Jesus entered Jericho 
and was passing through. Now, Jericho is this great little city. It's an oasis. It's a 800 feet below sea level. And Jesus was probably in the middle of town at this time because he's passing through. And we, we think that he's in the middle of town because of verse five. So here he is on this border city. And now Jericho is a border city. You have to get, you, when you go across the Jordan River, there's Jericho. If you're coming down from the north or the south, uh, there's Jericho. And if you're going to go west into Israel, you kind of have to go through Jericho. It's a customs station. And in customs stations, as in as of today, there's all kinds of uh, fees and taxes that have to be paid to enter a country. If you're flying in uh, in a uh, private plane, you've got to pay a certain fee. If you're coming up from Mexico, if you're coming in by car, often you'll have to pay a fee, but you've got to go to customs and clear customs. As a result, this is a, a, a high trade center town and there's lots of money. And it's a high taxable income place. So if you were going to be at close to the top of the food chain, if not the top, and you were a tax collector, you'd want to put your hat in the ring for Jericho. You can make a lot of money there as a tax collector. So this wealthy city is also a fertile city. It's an oasis right there in the middle of the desert. And it's kind of a fun place. Um, Herod had his famous and uh, best vacation spot in Jericho. Uh, that was where one of his palaces were. So, by the way, when you're 800 feet below sea level, you feel it in the summer. It can be really toasty, really warm, but there's lots of uh, water nearby and just about anything will grow. One of the largest natural springs in that whole corridor is found right there in Jericho. And of course, it's one of the oldest cities in the world. You've got Damascus, you've got Jericho. I mean, it's way on the top of that list of oldest cities in the world. It's got this fun component to it if you're a kid. When we lived in Israel as kids, uh, my brother and I would get on this aqueduct, which you could get on, and, and it went for almost 25 miles. <laughs> and you'd go from 2,500 feet above sea level in Jerusalem. And we had these little leather straps around our fannies, and we would slide. It's like a long water slide. You can't do it today. I checked it out when I was uh, there back in 2018, but uh, you could do it back then, way back when we were kids. And you could slide down this long water slide all the way down to Jericho. Great fun. Anyway, we're up to uh, verse two. There was a man called by the name of Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. Luke 19, two. So Zacchaeus is born a Jew by birth. Uh, and what that means, the, the name of Zacchaeus actually means pure and innocent. He didn't follow the leading of his name in his career. And what he did was fine to be a financier, but not to go above and beyond the boundaries of it and do things that are unethical, which we'll find out in a moment. But he was wealthy. And a chief tax collector is a big deal. You actually have people working for you that are collecting taxes, both customs taxes and sales taxes. So he was able to be part of both of those economic machines. And he would have tax collectors that would report to him. And sometimes underneath them would be other tax collectors. And you just get really rich that way. It's a, it's, it's a pyramid scheme and no one can do anything about it except pay the taxes. And you could become rich, pretty darn rich without cheating, but he cheats anyway, we find out in verse eight. So the way 
that the reason financial services sometimes is, is so hated is you can get rich off of other people's money. Now, there's nothing wrong with an honest financial services exchange, but when you take that capability and extend it in an unethical way, obviously, it's very difficult for people to feel good about. So he probably had a lot of enemies in Jericho because of his bad deeds. But he's abounding in material resources. He's got everything he needs there. And normally, a rich guy like that would not be thinking about the impoverished people. But Jesus, the Messiah, is teaching this message, this doctrine of self-denial. What's Zacchaeus doing listening to a guy like that? So Zacchaeus is probably kind of like Danny DeVito, all right? Short, um, rich by taking other people's money, maybe a little obnoxious, probably aggressive, probably greedy. We find that he probably is based on verse 8. So though he's a renegade in the eyes of pretty much everybody around him, probably, and probably doesn't have that many friends except for other tax collectors, he's a precious lost sinner in the eyes of Jesus. Jesus loves everyone including the rich, the poor, the rich, everyone. Now, Zacchaeus doesn't really deserve salvation, right? He's getting rich on earth. He can just have a great, rich life here. But he couldn't buy his salvation. You can't buy your salvation. So what Zacchaeus did is amazing. He became like a little child. The Bible talks about being childlike to really be able to participate in faith, true belief. And so, We have this verse in Luke 18, it says, Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will by no means enter the kingdom of God. So up to verse 19, I mean, verse 3 in chapter 19 in Luke, Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was and was unable because of the crowd, for he was small in stature. Now, if you're small in stature in first century Middle Eastern culture, you're pretty short. You're probably less than five feet tall because a lot of the folks around you, the average height is probably five, four, five, five. So Zach is short and no one has to tell him that he's short. He knows he's short. And he was probably just a real feisty guy. You talk about a Napoleon concept. You're short in a community of short people and among them, you're the shortest. So it's not his fault that he's short, little of stature, couldn't see over the crowd. So what did he do about it? Well, he took matters into his own hands. He sought to see. He, he's trying to look. He's probably hopping around and can't really see over people's heads. So in a spiritual sense, we're all kind of like Zacchaeus. We're all little of stature. We're all short. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God is the way Romans says it. No one really measures up to God. No one really can measure up to his high standards. Uh, We're all just too little to get into heaven. So Zacchaeus shows us how his childlike efforts can save the day. In chapter 19 of Luke, verse 4, we find that Zacchaeus does something kind of interesting. He runs ahead and he climbs up the sycamore tree in order to see Jesus. For He was about to pass through that way. So he cuts ahead of everybody and finds his way up the sycamore tree. Now, in the East, in first century, you're not supposed to run. Running is undignified. Men of wealth don't run. If you're a government official, you're not really supposed to run. The only guys that run are the people who are running away from government officials or government officials running after them. Yet Zacchaeus is running down the street like a little boy, and he's following this parade. And he climbs up the tree, and when you climb up a tree, now you're really acting like a kid now, but he's curious. 
And that is a characteristic of kids, right? It's a childlike characteristic, and you've got to be somewhat limber to do it. So he's motivated by the curiosity and by what he is wanting. He knows he's lost. He knows he needs something. So to a lot of people, this incident would seem ludicrous. Here's Zacchaeus. He's this wealthy guy, probably a really influential man in town, probably has lots of servants, and he's running ahead of the crowd, and he's running up the sycamore tree. Now, the sycamore tree is kind of like a fig tree, and to get a chance to see anything, he's going to do what he can. But what's interesting is pride would not allow that. If you were really prideful at that moment, you would not run ahead and you wouldn't run up the tree. And a lot of times, pride keeps successful people from Jesus. Now, what's interesting is Jericho's got lots of trees, lots of beautiful trees, palm trees, but uh, the sycamore tree is kind of well-known there as well. Its fruit actually um, grows on the trunk itself, if you want to look it up. It's interesting. So it's right on the trunk itself on your way up. And and some of these trees, so not on the branches, on your way up is where you see the fruit. And this kind of sycamore tree is probably a little bit stout and short and kind of easy to climb. Uh, The New Testament period has a whole bunch of villas and parks uh, where you could climb up a tree pretty easily and go from there to get up on a rooftop. It's the type of thing that could be done, but usually is done by kids. Now, that same wood that's in the sycamore tree, you also find in coffins in Egypt. Okay, 19 verse 5. So when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down for today I must stay at your house. Now, this is interesting. How does Jesus know his name? It's called a word of knowledge, verifying that Jesus does have some supernatural power. So anyway, Zach's invited, has been invited by Jesus to come to his house. In other words, Jesus has invited himself to come there. And what Jesus is inviting him to do is to get restored, personal restoration, relationship with God, It's kind of unusual. I mean, Zach's got to make a decision. He's got all these people looking at him. He's got Jesus looking up at him. He kind of looks ridiculous up in this tree, but he doesn't need to think about it. His heart's already bent toward Jesus. Jesus gives this invitation. It's interesting. This is one of the very few times we see Jesus giving an explicit invitation to someone like this. And and this is the only instance in the four gospels. Each of the gospels show a different angle, just kind of like if you were to see a car accident or some event, um, each of the four people that witnessed it would have accurate information, but they would supplement each other's information because they don't see every angle. But from the angle of Luke, he sees this invitation. And it's interesting that this invitation is one of the very few times Jesus actually invites someone explicitly. The other time we find is in Revelation 3.20. So, Jesus is not that religious. You know, you know, no matter how high the status of the person, uh, people didn't normally invite themselves to someone else's home. That was not really considered a, a mannerly thing to do, especially for somebody who was high ranking. You wouldn't invite yourself to someone else's house for dinner. And the pious Jews would never enter the home of a tax collector. Never, not a chance. And they would think that that would be unsanitary food and that it would contaminate you. And they would think that uh, anybody that collected taxes um, wouldn't be a tither and that uh, you'd be really operating in a bad way. If you were religious, complying with the law, you wouldn't go to a tax collector's house. So Jesus is throwing all those religious ideas out the window and saying, hey, I'm coming over to your house tonight. Let's, uh, Let's chat. 
the, the Pharisees wouldn't have trusted anything that Zacchaeus could have offered. But Jesus says, look, I'm coming to your house. And just like he stands at the door and knocks right now of your heart and invites you to let him come into your house, to dine with you, to be your friend, to be your God, your savior, your Lord. He was inviting Zach physically to come to his house. So he knows his name and he knows the meaning of his name. And he's talking about, let's get, let's do this quick. And there is an interesting component to belief and acting on it quickly. By him acting quickly, he doesn't give himself a chance to rationalize and justify his way out of it. If you give yourself too much time to justify and rationalize your way out of believing in Christ, you'll always be able to listen to the enemy who doesn't want you to believe, doesn't want you to have that faith, doesn't want you to have that eternal confidence. So do it fast, believe. Luke 19, six, and he hurried and came down and received him gladly. So what's Zach's belief? I mean, this is more than Zach hoping for. I mean, he's being welcomed by Jesus gladly. I mean, the word gladly, it's a word that I think it's pronounced something like karon, and it's literally rejoicing. Uh, Luke used this verb uh, uh, nine times, and he's denoting this attitude of great joy and accompanying with faith and salvation that you get from this being set free personally. You get this joy, and Jesus is like, you're about to get on the receiving end of salvation, and Jesus is welcoming Zacchaeus with that kind of joy and gladness, and Jesus is that way towards you. He's excited about you having faith in him. He was born for you. So have you accepted his knocking on the door of your heart? There is something that you need to do. You need to be hospitable to Jesus. Zacchaeus kind of had a choice, right? He could say yes or no to Jesus' invitation. He's got all those people looking at him. He could have said, uh, no, uh, that's not appropriate. I'm not going to let you come to my house. But that's not it. The truth is he allowed him. Now, in verse 7, you're going to find out what other people said. When they saw it, the religious people, they all began to grumble, saying, he's gone to be the guest of a man who's a sinner, as if they're not sinners, too. So it is true that the religious elite have always had kind of an air about them that's a little arrogant, puts people off. And so um, on behalf of all the religious elite in the world, I apologize to you, even though I'm not that way myself. But I, I can tell for sure that a lot of people have been turned off by that. And that's just not the way Jesus is at all. He's unreligious in that respect. So anyway, all these people are complaining. They're muttering because Jesus had this guest of a sinner in his house. And the truth is we're all sinners. Uh, And the truth is you can't buy salvation. Zacchaeus couldn't buy his salvation. It's not possible. The way Zacchaeus gets saved is the same way you and I get saved. That's by belief, faith in Jesus, in what he's done for you and in who he is and in what he becomes to you, which is your Lord, your boss, and your savior. So what's Zacchaeus's fruit of his righteousness? How do we know he gets saved? Well, let's look at verse eight. Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, he knows he has, (laughs) I will give back four times as much. And Zacchaeus says that in front of everybody. In other words, my time with Jesus has changed my life. So what the rich young ruler was not willing to consider back in verse chapter 18 
and what he wasn't willing to do. Zacchaeus is willing to do. So you had two rich guys with two different responses. One walks away sad. The other one gets free and totally set free. So Zacchaeus wasn't saved because he promised to do those good works. He was saved because he responded to Jesus to begin with. And when he responded to him with faith and belief, that's what out of his redeemed heart caused him to do that good work. So he trusted in his savior. He he gave evidence of his faith by promising to make restitution to those that he wronged. And, And that's really a lot about what faith is like. It's more than a few words. Um, it's more than just a moment of, of a feeling. It restores you to what you were meant to be. It gives you a relationship with God. It restores that. And it gives you a connection with who you are. And then you have a destiny that makes sense. And it results in righteous acts. So Zacchaeus doesn't quibble. He's not negotiating. He could have said, said, hey, Jesus, what do you think about me? Maybe just giving back everything I stole from the poor with interest. He could have done something like that. But no, he was sold out. He comes up with this big, huge number. Hey, man, if I've stolen anything from anybody, if I overcharged, I'm going to give him back what I owed him plus 4X. He's changed. He's a different person. He's expressing this new freedom. Money doesn't have a hold on him anymore. He'll still probably make a lot of money, but he'll probably do it ethically from this point on. So now he's got something much better than being rich physically. There's nothing wrong with being rich economically. I hope you are. I hope you're blessed greatly economically. But now he's rich spiritually. And if you're not rich spiritually, your economic riches aren't going to do you any good. So here we've got Jesus in verse nine. And here's what he says to him. Today, salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. It's pretty interesting how he describes it. So he's not implying that the act of giving to the poor saved him. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about the act of a lifestyle change that's coming from a heart, that's coming from belief, that's evidenced by his response. That's what he's talking about. So Jesus gives him this restored relationship with God. And now this son of Abraham by birth can have the right to enter the kingdom of God and have connection with Jesus and have spiritual son of Abraham connection. So have you ever felt short of stature spiritually like Zacchaeus? I mean, he trusted Jesus and he became a true son of Abraham, meaning that he became a child of faith, someone that's really got connection with God because of his change in his heart. So verse 10 of Luke 19, for the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. He's looking for the Zacchaeuses. He's looking for any one of us who does not have a believing faith in God through Christ. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. I mean, that's Jesus' whole mission, to seek and save those who don't know him. Zacchaeus was lost. The great thing about Zacchaeus is he knew he was lost. He was seeking. He didn't know what the answer was exactly, but he knew he was lost. And so when Jesus comes along, he accepts him immediately. Zacchaeus is a great example of a way to respond because by nature, we're kind of just lost sinners and pretty prideful and we don't really want to admit anything. You know, when Adam and Eve sinned way back in the beginning, they hid, but God sought them out because that's how God is. He's a generous, good God. And Jesus sought out the lost on earth. So today we're looking for you. If you are a lost sinner, We want you into the kingdom. We want you part of the family. We want you to enjoy that real joy that comes through faith in God, 
through Christ. And that's why Jesus was born. He was born for you. God bless you. We'll see you next time. Hi, I'm David Farah. Thank you for listening to my dad's podcast, The Barry Farah Show, Culture Shift. Click subscribe now to be sure you don't miss an episode. Share this podcast with your friends on social media and give The Barry Farah Show your five-star rating. See you next time.